you'd remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Luke writes this, Nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel, praising God, they said, Glory to God in heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This morning's the second Sunday of Advent, where we've lit the second candle on our Advent wreath and the candle that tradition calls the candle of peace. Um, For those that that missed last week or didn't see it in your email, this year the Advent devotional, we've provided an electronic copy for everyone. It was emailed to your email account that the church has on file. If you did not get one, please let me know. Or if you would prefer to receive a paper copy, please call Denise in the office tomorrow. And she'll print it for you, and you can just stop by and pick it up. We're just not printing a lot that are unnecessary. We don't need to print. So um, if you do want one, though, we definitely have them available if you'd let us know. So as I was preparing this week and, and reading about what it means for us to light the candle of peace, I came across a story that maybe some of you have heard about, but it's been observed in the country of Finland since um, the 1300s. And it's called the Declaration of Christmas Peace. And so I found a brief article through the miracle of Google, and uh, every year at noon on Christmas Eve, the Christmas peace is declared in a city in Finland called Turku. The declaration is a tradition that launches the Christmas celebration and in a way marks the official start of Christmas. The exact wording during the past few centuries has changed a little bit, but the main content remains the same. And so the declaration is read aloud by, I'm assuming this gentleman, uh, from this, this balcony to advise the people of Finland to spend this festive period in harmony. And it also threatens offenders with harsh punishments. And then it ends with, we wish you a Merry Christmas. I'm going to read it in a minute. Um, so it's happened since the 1300s, and according to history, uh, the current form that we're going to hear date back to 1903, 
And according to folk memory, it's only been interrupted a few times. And from 1712 to 1721, uh, when the Russian invaded and occupied Finland. In 1917, when the military was on strike. And in 1939, during World War II, because of fear of air raids. So it's been broadcast since 1935. It's now shared on the internet and everywhere else, and it reads this. Tomorrow, God willing, is the graceful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all. By advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully, Because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall, under aggravating circumstances, be guilty and punished according to what the law and statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. Finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all inhabitants of the city. (laughs) So one, they're taking the pursuit of peace pretty seriously. And two, they're being pretty direct in saying, don't misbehave in the next few days, aren't they? All right, so this Advent, what we're doing is we're focusing on the different attributes of God as we um, recognize them and remember them according to tradition. Because there's nothing in the Bible that tells us the exact way the Advent wreath is supposed to be lit, is there? That's a tradition. And tradition has associated the candles on the wreath with um, prophets and, and the shepherds and the wise men and, and whatever else in terms of the birth story of Jesus. Tradition also says that the candles are associated by, by remembering as we're doing this Advent season that, that Jesus brings us hope and he brings us peace and he brings us joy and he brings us love. And so those are all traditions. And so last Sunday we talked about How hope, when we lit the candle of hope, is the fuel of faith. As we looked about at how we can have hope in God, even when things seem hopeless. We also looked at the story of Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter 2, where we saw that the two of these, these older individuals who were waiting for the coming of the Messiah, who had been promised by God that they would be witnesses for this event, how they were able to remain hope filled. Even as they waited day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year for God to send the Messiah, Jesus. And so this morning what we're going to be looking at is the peace that comes from God in the sending of Jesus Christ, his son. We're also going to be looking at the shepherds because tradition associates um, them with the peace of God as we light the candle, as they announce the arrival of Jesus into the world. The shepherds were chosen to be unlikely recipients of God's grace and of God's peace because they were the first to hear the message and the first to journey to see the newborn king. And so this morning we've read from Luke chapter 2. Now I can't hear Luke chapter 2 without thinking of Charlie Brown Christmas and Linus reading those words. Where we read the story of Jesus' birth, where we hear the words of an angel and then an angelic chorus that appeared to the shepherds as they sat by a fire at night. This has been one of the hang-ups for people that have heard the gospel message of Jesus. Is that the first to receive this message of hope and of peace and of love and of joy and of everything else was not to someone official or important, but it was to shepherds. Think about all the the dignitaries in the time of Jesus' birth that did not receive this message first. 
It wasn't to Caesar. It wasn't to King Herod. It wasn't to to kings or queens of other countries. It wasn't to generals or consuls. It wasn't to the high priest in Jerusalem or the Sanhedrin. It was to the shepherds who were the lowest of low. And that was all part of God's plan, wasn't it? Because God sent Jesus first to Israel and then out into the world. Think about it this morning. God using shepherds in the story of Jesus' birth is consistent with how God has used shepherds throughout the entire story of the Bible, isn't it? I invite you to think with me about some other biblical shepherds that we know about. The very first is in the book of Genesis, chapter 11, 12, and beyond. The story of Abram or Abraham. The story tells us of the multitude of flocks that he had, of the herds that he had. Abraham and his people were nomadic people as they followed the the grass to where their sheep and their animals could eat. Isaac, his son, was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. King David was a shepherd. All of these men were shepherds. And they all followed flocks in order to move from area to area so that their animals had stuff to eat. And God took every one of these ordinary people, as we read throughout the scriptures, whether you're reading about the story of Esther or Ruth or David or Jacob or any of the others, and God used ordinary people to be witnesses. Whether it was for his work in the Old Testament in the making of covenant and in the engaging and, and engaging in relationship with those that he loved, or whether it's in this story that we read today when God used the shepherds to be the witnesses to the coming of the Messiah. They were the ones who heard the message of peace in chaotic times. They were the ones who witnessed and experienced that peace first when they saw the baby lying there in the manger. Sometimes we find peace in the most unlikely of places, don't we? I was thinking about peace when, um, as I was writing this sermon, and, and it made me think, I know I often reference um, our time in Baltimore, but it was a pretty full three years when Mindy and I lived there, and, and we were there when the Hurricane Isabel came. I shouldn't say came like it was a visit. Um, when Hurricane Isabel passed over the city of Baltimore, And we witnessed and we experienced, you know, peace in the most unlikely of places. So if you've watched weather people in the hurricane, and we all have, unless they're acting it out, um, they're usually in the storm and you see the storm and the winds are blowing and then the eye of the storm passes over and there's this weird, unlikely peace in the middle of a natural disaster. And so for us, that's exactly how it was. The wind stopped. The trees stopped shaking. The rain stopped. Now, it was pretty cool and and pretty fortunate for us that the eye passed over our house during the day because I think it would have been really eerie at night. But we were actually, you know, we went out on our front porch and we looked around and it was like, this is really odd. And unfortunately, that's like pre-cell phone camera day, right? Otherwise, I would have been able to find the picture and put it up and and show you all. But eventually, the trees started moving in the opposite direction. The rain started falling, and the hurricane continued on its path. But see, that's peace in the most unlikeliest of places, and perhaps you can think about that. Or you can think of stories you've read 
of people who, who maybe were you know, in, in times of conflict and they found peace in the most unlikeliest place or, or in a time of, of great emergency in their life, whether it's medical or something else going on, that for whatever reason, in the most unlikely of ways, they experienced or you experienced peace. And you knew it wasn't you and you knew it wasn't the situation, but you knew that it was God. Friends, I think that's what it's like for us to talk about what it means for us to experience peace in the season of Advent. To find peace or to even have a glimpse of peace when, when everything in our lives doesn't always seem as peaceful as we would think it should be. Think about what's happening in the world. Think about what's happening in our country. Thinking about political tenor of what's happening and all the unknowns around uh, COVID and the economy and, and shipping and shopping and the list. And I mean, you can put whatever you want on that list of things that, that cause you to not feel peace. And right now, just like I think every year, we have our own reasons or ways that peace can feel a long way off. And so if that's how you're feeling today, I want to remind you that Jesus offers us peace. That God appeared in the person of Jesus Christ to offer us so much, including his peace. And God's peace is so different from what you and I can experience or what we can, can, can uh, feel in our, on our own or, or create in ourselves. Because God's peace defies our circumstances, doesn't it? God's peace goes deeper and further and farther than, than any other peace that you can find on this earth. God's peace can heal. It can guard us from further wounds. It can stop onslaught of worry and anxiety. God's peace is there because God sent us Jesus. One of the people that writes about, about peace in the New Testament is the Apostle Paul. And we know Paul's story, we know the, the turmoil that Paul experienced, we know the persecution that Paul experienced, we know that he went from city to city and at times was chased out of cities and he would go to the next city and they would chase him there and, and all of the things that happened with him. And, and we know that when we read the book of Philippians, Paul is obviously in a time of turmoil and opposition as he faced everything that was happening, yet he was still able to talk and to identify where he finds true peace. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul writes, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You get what he's saying? Is that in the midst of everything that he faced... In the midst of all that he was experiencing, he tells the Philippians where he finds his peace, and that's in God. And so basically he's saying to them, no matter the hurts that I'm experiencing, no matter the questions that I have, no matter what else we are facing, we can find the peace of God which transcends all understanding in Christ Jesus. He's saying we can take it all to God in prayer and we can find peace. Peace that may not make sense. Peace that may, may be unlikely. But peace that meets us where we are at. And peace that meets us where God is at. Because peace comes in the person of Jesus. 
In Ephesians 2.14, Paul writes, Jesus himself is our peace. And the prophet Isaiah calls Jesus the Prince of Peace when centuries before he was looking ahead and saying the Messiah is going to come, a deliverer, one is going to rescue God's people. And he says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of His Greatness. Of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. See, so what Isaiah is saying is that the child is born to Mary and Joseph is going to be the one who brings the power and the rule of God's peace into our personal lives. Jesus brings the peace that allows us to call on God by name. Jesus brings the peace that allows us to pray, knowing that God hears our prayers individually, not through someone else, not by us offering them in some special way, but the fact that we simply utter them. Because Jesus is the priest who provides us the wholeness that allows us to be in relationship with him. See, Jesus offers us this invitation, not just today, but every day. But it helps for us to pause each year and to remember that just like hope is the fuel of faith, that God offers us peace that defies all circumstances. And Jesus told the disciples that. He told the crowds that. As he was teaching to them in Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is offering peace here, isn't he? If we take his yoke, he will help us find rest. He will help us find peace. So friends, on this second Sunday of Advent, I invite you to look for the Prince of Peace. Even as the winds blow, even as the storms swirl, we can come to Christ and we can worship Him. Or if our journey is, un- is filled with uncertainty like the shepherds, we can go and see because Jesus is here. Jesus who offers us peace. Not this day, not just this day, but every day. And so as people of peace, we are invited to gather at God's table, knowing that God offers us these gifts out of his love for us, knowing that God offers us these gifts out of um, the needs that we have to experience his grace. So I invite you to hear these words as Paul writes to the church and as he tells them what he learned about the meal that Christ offers us today. Paul says, I received a tradition from the Lord, which I also handed on to you. On the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same thing with the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, do this to remember me. So every time you drink this cup and eat this bread, you broadcast the death of the Lord until he comes.